1 Kings 17, 1 to 6. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe and Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the land for the next few years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kareth Ravine east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have ordered ravens to feed you there. So he did what the Lord told him, church. He went to the Kareth Ravine east of the Jordan and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Amen? And so far in this series, we've looked. I want to recap because we missed last week, and I just ask that just for a few moments, you be patient as we catch up to where we are so we get a greater understanding of where God wants to take us. Amen? But so far in the series, we've looked at Kareth Brook in week one as a place of preparation. Preparation for ministry, preparation for the anointing, preparation for usefulness to the kingdom of God, church. And it's a place where God prepared Elijah to do the will of the Father in his life. And the reality is God will take each and every one of us to a Kareth Brook in order to prepare us, church, for ministry, in order to teach us how to do the will of the Father in our life. And just like Abraham's proving ground was on Mount Moriah, where he was supposed to sacrifice his son, church, uh, Mount Moriah meaning ordained or chosen by God, so was Kareth Brook the proving ground for Elijah. It was the very place where he was ordained. It was the place that he was anointed. It's the place that he was chosen by God to do great things. Just like Mount Moriah was the place where the anointing fell on Abraham and the call fell on Abraham and where Abraham was chosen, so was Kareth Brook that same place for Elijah. And the reality is God has a place like that for us as well. He has a proving ground that He will take us to. And I'm using the term in the place, Kareth Brook, just as an example for us to understand that there is a Kareth Brook that we all must go to as well. If we want to be used by God, chosen by God, anointed by God, find the favor of God, do great things for God, we all have to come to that place. And we're going to look a little bit more at that. But in part two, which was on week two, we looked at Kareth Brook as a place of obedience. And I'm going to rush through these, so just uh, bear with me as I rush through. But it's a place of obedience, as we discovered in verse 5, where it says, So he, meaning Elijah, did what the Lord told him. Amen? He went to the Kareth Ravine. And that's where ministry really starts, when we're willing to go, when we're willing to do what the will of the Father says. Because as we've learned, in order to be used by God, we have to become doers of the Word and not hearers only. Amen? The reality is Elijah did the will of the Lord. He did the will of the Father. He did what the Lord told him to, the Bible says. He didn't just listen. He didn't just hear. He went to the Kareth Ravine. He did as the Lord told him, church. And because he did, we discovered that he enjoyed meat and bread in the morning and meat and bread in the evening and probably meat and bread whenever else he wanted some. Amen? Finally, in part three, which we looked at two weeks ago because we weren't here last week, and I pray that you had a great Thanksgiving with your family. I pray that you were filled up not just in your belly, but in your spirit as well. Amen. But anyway, finally in part three, we looked at Kareth Brook as a place to stay. We learned that this was a place where we wait on God. Amen. A place where we learn to be still and know that he is God. You see, the reality is God will bring, if we allow him to, he'll bring us all to a place where he teaches us to be still and know that he's God. Sometimes it's a quiet place. Sometimes it's a chaotic place. 
Sometimes it's a sunny place and sometimes it's a dark place. But God will always bring us to a place where we learn to be still and know that he's God. Amen. A place where our faith and our faithfulness are tested and tried in order to see if they're true. You see, the reality is God will bring you and I into a place to test our faith and test our faithfulness to see if they're true, to see if we are more than lip service, to see if everything we say we are, we truly are. The reality is he will test our faith and he will try our faith. He will test our faithfulness and he will try our faithfulness. And when he discovers that they are true, he will use you and me to do greater and greater things for the kingdom of God. This is what happened in Elijah's life, and he wants it to happen in our life as well. Kareth Brook was the place where we, we learn to be still when the water recedes. We learn to be still when the, the grass withers and the flower fades like we learned a couple weeks ago. Amen. It's the place where we learn to trust in a supernatural God when everything in the natural says run. When everything in the natural says leave, when everything in the natural says you better pack your bags and head somewhere else because there ain't nothing for you right here. And this is, where Kareth, this is what Kareth Brook was. It was that place where he learned to be still and know that he is God even when the waters were receding, church, just like the children of Israel at the Red Sea when they were pressed in on every side. You see, in the natural, everything around them said run. When the children of Israel came out of the land of Egypt, out of bondage, and and Pharaoh was hot on their tails, and they found themselves in the Red Sea, read it yourself, everything around them said run. Everything around them said panic. Everything around them said be greatly afraid. Everything in the natural said be afraid. But in the supernatural, God said, don't be afraid. He said, be still and watch the wondrous work that God will perform on your behalf. And he did, amen? And the reality is when we learn to do that, church, when we learn to be still and know that he is God, he works wonders on our behalf. It's when we learn to be still and look up, church, instead of getting our eyes on the the circumstances and the situations and on the natural, if we get our eyes on the supernatural God, his supernatural power moves in our life and the horse and the rider are what? They're thrown into the sea. We have to understand that that we have to wait on God to speak or wait on God to move. But one of the sad reality is a lot of times when we find ourselves in Red Sea situations or we find ourselves in Kareth Brook situations when the, when the riverbed runs dry and everything around us seems to be dying church. We're not willing to wait for his word to become manifest in our life. We're not willing to wait for his wondrous works to become manifest in our life. And we take a hike to Moab like we learned Elimelech and Naomi and their family did. And what we learned last time we were together because they didn't wait and they went to the land of Moab, to the land of slavery and destruction, their lives became nothing but bitter. Amen. So, so far, that's what we've learned. And I hope we've learned that and consider it as we continue in our life with the Lord. Amen. That's what we've learned. But tonight, I want to look at verse 8. When the word of the Lord came to Elijah again. And how many of you want the word of the Lord to come to you again? How many of you want revelation to come again? How many of you want the anointing to come again and again and again? Or the blessing or the provision or the protection to come again and again and again? You see, there is a formula that allows the the anointing of God to come into your life again and again and again. 
and the blessing to come again and again and again. And Elijah figured that method out. And this is what I want to teach you tonight. The word of the Lord came to Elijah again, the Bible says. And I want the anointing to come again. Every week, trust me, every week when I get up here, I want the anointing to come again. I want truth to come again. I want revelation to come again. Well, there's a prerequisite to that anointing. There's a prerequisite to that blessing. There's a prerequisite to that revelation. There's a prerequisite to God's divine direction in your life. And it's what we're going to learn this evening. But, but Elijah understood it, and it's why the word of the Lord came again in his life, church. Then the word of the Lord came to him. And when I read that the first time, I begin to wonder why... Why did the word come after the river ran dry? Why did the word come after the grass began to wither? Why did the word come after the flower began to fade? Why did the word of the Lord, the supernatural word of the Lord come when everything around Elijah began to dry up? And one of the answers to that, in my opinion, is because if he was still living in the lush land that was once there, he might not have heard the word of God. If he was living in the provision, if he was wrapped up in the meat and the bread, if everything was hunky-dory and he was living off the fat of the land, he might not have heard the word of God come into his life. You see, the reality is sometimes God has to let your brook dry up so you hear him. Sometimes he has to let your bread dry up before you listen to him. Sometimes he has to let your surroundings begin to fade and turn gray and wither up and die in order for you to respond to the word that he's about to speak to you, church. He doesn't bring these, he doesn't bring drought into your life so you have to go hungry. He brings these, these momentary wildernesses in our life so we learn to listen to the word of the Lord. I don't know if that's what was going on with Elijah, but it makes sense to me in scripture because God warns us time and time again that when we are full, be careful because that fullness has the power to cause us to forget God and stop following God. And the reality is Elijah in this miracle and Elijah in this blessing, Elijah in this supernatural provision that was provided could have gotten fat and complacent and lazy. And the reality is what we're going to learn tonight is that God had a call far greater than Kareth Brook. God had a greater purpose for Elijah's life than for him to sit on the riverside eating bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. He had a great work for Elijah to do and he has a great work for you to do as well. And sometimes he'll dry up your brook so you go out into the highways and the byways of life feeding someone else instead of yourself. And this is what we're going to learn this evening. This is what God was te teaches us through Elijah church. The word of the Lord came to him again. And one of the things, it said, go at once to Zarephath in the city of Sidon and stay there. And the first thing I want you to see is the similarity to God's word in verse 8 as it was in verse 2 church. What, because again, we see the same exact words in verse 2 and in verse 8. The first time God spoke to Elijah then the word of the Lord came to him. Verse 8 says the same exact thing. Then the word of the Lord came to him. And if you remember in the first study, I told you there was a reason for that word then. Because then means following. Then means after. Then means something else happened prior to the word coming to the Lord. And something happened prior to the word of the Lord coming into Elijah's life in verse 2. 
And we, we remember what that is. I hope you remember what happened prior to the word of God coming to the life, coming into the life of Elijah in verse two is, is mentioned in verse one where he took ownership of Jehovah. He stood in front of Ahab and he spoke to Ahab as surely as the Lord God, Jehovah, my God, the Lord whom I serve. He took ownership. He yoked himself to Jehovah. He yoked himself to the Lord. He came under the Lord's authority. He made known to Ahab that I am a servant of Jehovah. And as soon as he yoked himself, as soon as he connected himself, as soon as he, as soon as he took ownership of Jehovah in his life, then the word of the Lord came to him, church. You see, if you don't take ownership of God, God's not going to speak to you. If you don't yoke yourself to him, God's not going to speak to you. If you don't yield yourself to him and attach yourself to him, nothing he has is going to flow into your life. But because Elijah did this in verse 2, then the word of the Lord came to him. So the same principle must apply in verse 8, amen? Something else must have happened, and we know what that was. We know what preceded the word of the Lord coming to him. He obeyed the word of God. He left Canaan, he went to Kareth Brook, and he stayed there. He did exactly what the Lord asked him to do. He yielded himself once again. He made it through the drought. He made it through all that thing. He didn't get anxious. He didn't grumble. He didn't complain. He put his trust, his hope, his confidence, and his worship in God. Then the word of the Lord came to him again. You see, the word of the Lord won't come to us. There is a prerequisite to the revelation of God, divine direction of God, the anointing of God, the favor of God. There is a prerequisite to that coming into our life. And it's quite plain in this passage of Scripture what those things are in order for us to enjoy that. So I hope that we can learn from that, church. Something happened and then the word of the Lord came. Then direction came once again. Then revelation came once again. Then the call of God came once again. Then an opportunity to do something great for the kingdom of God came again. Then the word of Jehovah came to him, the Bible says. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there, church. For I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. And again, I want you to see the similarity. Just like God directed the ravens to supply Elijah at Kareth Brook, so did he direct the woman in Zarephath to supply his needs in Zarephath. And just like Elijah went in obedience to Kareth Ravine, so did he go in obedience to Zarephath, church. Understand, when the Lord spoke to him this second time, he didn't go to the other side of the river he didn't go back to Canaan. Remember, everything is dried up at this point. Everything is withered and everything has died, but he didn't go to the other side of the river. He didn't go upstream, didn't go downstream, didn't go looking for a little trinkle here or a little cup full there. He left in, in obedience to the word of God. He didn't go back to Canaan. He didn't go to Moab like Elimelech did, like I told you. He didn't run off to Tarshish like Jonah did. He went to Zarephath in the city of Sidon. He went exactly where the Lord told him to go. He did exactly what God told him to do, church, because he knew that it was there that he would be blessed. The same principles that happened in verses 2 to 5. We remember that if he didn't go to Kareth Brook, guess what? He would have missed the meat and bread, amen? And if he didn't go to Zarephath, he would have missed God's blessing there as well. He would have missed the opportunity to do something great or to be used by God in Zarephath. But he did exactly what God told him to do because he knew it was there that he would be blessed. He knew there was God's will. 
He knew there was God's anointing. He knew there was God's blessing. He knew there was God's power. He knew there would be God's uh, abundance in his life. And he knew there was God's will. So that's where he went. Look, those words, two times it shows up. So he went to the region of, of Sidon and stayed there. For I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. And once again, it was there that the blessing was. And if he went anywhere else other than where God told him to go, he would have missed a blessing and a miracle would not have taken place. I want you to understand as I go through this lesson, when we're talking about Kareth Brook, and I'm not going to get ahead of myself, but when we're talking about Kareth Brook, it was only about God and Elijah. It was only about, I mean, it was only, yeah, it was only God and Elijah. They were the only two in the equation, but here in Zarephath, there were other individuals in the equation. And God was about to take him to a higher level. And he was about to use him, church, to do something great for the kingdom of God. Keep that in mind as we go. But he did exactly what the the Lord had told him to do, church. He went because he understood obedience was to be a lifestyle and not a single event when we need something from God. He understood, church, that obedience should be the constant character of every single Christian, not a singular incident in our life. Well, I obeyed him yesterday. I obeyed him last week. Well, what about right now? What about this and what about that? Elijah went again because he understood, church, that obedience was to be a lifestyle, not a pick-and-choose event in our life. Well, I'll obey you here and I'll obey you there. You see, individuals that obey God when they want to aren't used by God. Individuals that obey God when they feel like it, individuals who obey God when it's not too costly, when it's not too hard, when it's not too difficult, God doesn't use those individuals. So one of the things that we have to ask ourselves, if all of this anointing and power and blessing are coming into my life, do I have a lifestyle of obedience? Or or do I just obey when I need something from God? Do I just obey when I need a blessing? Do I just obey when I need a provision? Do I, do I need a blessing when I just need God to intervene? Do I, do I obey God and make that sacrifice only when I need it? Or is it a lifestyle in my life, church? This is something we have to understand. He did what he, he did, what he did because it was, it was part of his character, church. The reality is obedience, obedience should be an everyday act of our affection for the Father. An everyday act. When we go through this day, obedience is an act of affection. Obedience is is the ultimate act of affection. What does the Bible say? If you love me, you will obey me. If you love me, you'll do what I ask you to do. Well, Elijah understood that. Every time God asked him to go, he went. Every time God asked him to do something, he did it. And if we want this kind of blessing and provision and covering over our life, if we want to be used to do great things, obedience must be a lifestyle for us. Amen? The reality is, listen, one act of disobedience. He understood, Elijah understood that one act of disobedience can cost God's favor and blessing in our life. One act of disobedience. That's why obedience has to be a lifestyle. One act of disobedience can keep us from the promised land just like it did with Moses when he wandered through the wilderness. You remember Moses' act of disobedience? The Bible says in order for the, the people to, to be satisfy their thirst, Moses was supposed to speak to the rock that followed them. But, but Moses, 
in his anger, Moses in his frustration, Moses in his bad attitude, Moses in his frustrations, he struck the rock instead. And the Bible tells us because of that, he wasn't allowed to inherit his promise. Yes, he's in heaven. Yes, he's marching around. But please understand me. One act of disobedience can keep you from a promise. One act of disobedience can keep you from a blessing. One act of, one act of disobedience can keep us from our Canaan land, our, our promised land, church. He struck the rock instead of speaking to the rock. And here's another truth that you need to understand and understand the depth of what happened there. The Bible tells me that that rock that followed them was Jesus Christ. Moses in his disobedience struck Jesus Christ. It's what disobedience does. It strikes Jesus Christ. It bruises him. It wounds him. It puts him on the cross. That's what one act of disobedience does. Every time you and I disobey, we're striking Jesus Christ. Every time you and I disobey, we are bruising and wounding Jesus Christ, the rock that follows us. And that rock was Jesus Christ. Why do you think Jesus had to hang on the cross? Why do you think he had lashes? Why do you think he had stripes? Why do you think he was punished? He was wounded for what? Our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement and the punishment for our peace was placed upon his shoulders because that's what sin and disobedience does. It puts him on the cross. It strikes at him. And if we could just understand, church, every time we disobey God, you may as well get out a whip and go striking at Jesus Christ. That's what happened. And that's why he missed his blessing, church. It's why he, he, he did not get to inherit his promise. He struck out at Jesus Christ. And sadly, every day we do that. In our frustrations, in our tempers, in our woe-is-me situations, in our difficult times of life, in the midst of our anxieties, so often we take matters into our own hands instead of what? Being still and waiting for God to act. Being still and knowing that He's God. We take out the whip, we take out the rod, and we strike at Jesus Christ instead. I hope we can allow that to sink into our spirit because it will help us to obey even more. But understand, Elijah went again because it was part of his character. Elijah obeyed again. He went to Zarephath just like he went to Kareth Brook. And one of the things that I want you to see in verse 10 is the urgency that was added to God's word. He similarly spoke the same thing, but there was an added urgency to it because in verse 4, the first time God spoke to Elijah, he simply said, leave here, leave Canaan, and go to the Kareth Ravine east of the Jordan. But in verse 10, God seemingly increases the call. He seems to up the urgency, and he says, at once, or go at once to Zarephath. You see, the reality is, again, he's just lifting Elijah to another level. He's taking Elijah to another testing ground. He wants to see how quickly Elijah is willing to obey. You see, obeying is one thing. We can, we can procrastinate and still obey, but there's some times in our life, really all the time in our life, God wants us to be instant in our obedience. Amen? Because even a delay, even a procrastination in our obedience can cost us a blessing. Well, he who, you know, even the world says, he who hesitates is what? Lost. Well, spiritually, the same thing goes. If you're going to procrastinate when the Word of God comes to you, you might miss your blessing. 
The birds might snatch it. Your neighbor might snatch it. Someone else might snatch it. But we can't procrastinate when the word comes to us. But here, I believe that that God is testing Elijah at another level. And he says, go at once. Without delay, without pondering, without procrastination, God said, right now, I want you to go to Zarephath. And the Bible says, and he went. Because it was another test. And he passed the test. And I wonder this evening, I had to ask myself, Are we this quick to obey God when he speaks? Are we that in tune with God? Do we so understand his voice that when he speaks, we act? That when he says, go, we go. That when he says, stop, we stop. That when he says, slow down, we slow down. That when he says, yield to me, we yield to him. That when he says, whatever it is that he speaks, that we're that quick. Are we that quick to respond to his voice in our life? Are we that quick to respond to his divine direction in our life? Are we that quick to respond to the righteous revelation that he might give to us, church? I wonder if we're that quick to do his will in our life. One of the questions is, I wonder if we're fit and ready for God's good work in our life. If we're that fit to do great things for God and to respond. Understand Elijah was fit and ready to go again for God and so should we be. Every time he speaks, we should be fit and ready to go. And look... Every week, I have to be fit and ready to go. Every week, pastor has to be fit and ready to go. And I'm not saying that to brag on us at all. I'm just telling you that we have to be fit and ready to go. But listen to me. Sunday is not the only day pastor has to be fit and ready. Every single day, you and I have to be fit and ready to do the good work of God in our life. Every day, we have to be fit and ready to battle the devil. Every day, we have to be fit and ready to do supernatural battle with with the principalities of darkness, church. Every day, we have to be fit and ready to respond to the voice of God in our life because there is a need in Zarephath that has to be met. And that's that's the only reason God took Elijah to Kareth Brook because he wanted to use him in Zarephath. And the reality is God, God doesn't take you to Kareth Brook to get you fat. God doesn't take you to Kareth Brook just so you can enjoy meat and bread in the morning and meat and the bread in the afternoon and say, oh God, you're so great. He takes us to Kareth Brook to get us ready to do a great work in Zarephath. And that's what we're going to look at, church, as I go along in this thing. Listen, I, I just want us to understand that we have to be fit and ready for every good work all the time. I believe one of the things that we can learn here, if you look at this scripture again, is that when we are faithful in the little, God gives us more. Elijah was faithful in Kareth Brook, so he led him to Zarephath. He was faithful in the little call, and God opened up a greater call into his life, church. When we're faithful in the small call, he trusts us with a greater call. When we're faithful in our Kareth Brook, he sends us to Zarephath, church. But one of the problems is, in the house of God or among God's people, we all want Zarephath and not Kareth Brook. We want the big city. We want the lights. We want the recognition. We don't want the little hiding place where no one can see us and no one sees what we're doing. We want the big city where we we want the pulpit. But we don't want the hiding place. Remember, when Elijah, when God told Elijah to go to Kareth Brook, he said, go hide there. No one's going to see you. No one's going to recognize you. You're not going to get your name up in lights. You're not going to have any of that. You're not going to have the applause of man. You're not going to have the amens, brother. You're not going to have any of that. It's going to be you and me. Because that's where it all begins. That's where the power comes from. Listen, I'm glad when you clap and you applaud, but my anointing doesn't come from you. 
My, 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 my passion doesn't come from you. My blessing doesn't come from you. My power doesn't come from you. It comes from Jehovah God. And Elijah had to understand that. But the sad reality is so many of us want Zarephath without the city. I mean, without Kareth Brook. We want the pulpit. We don't want to work in the nursery. We want the pulpit. We don't want to work in security. We want the pulpit. We don't want to have to stand out there at the door and greet people. We want the pulpit. We want the bright lights in the big city. We don't want these little things. We don't want this position where no one sees us, church. And listen to me. If that's you, God will never use you. If that's you, the anointing will never rest upon you. I know where our pastor came from. I know what what little puny peon things he had to do to get where he is today. And I know the little puny putsy things that I had to do where I got today too. I had to cut grass just like pastor had to cut grass. Had to clean toilets just like pastor had to clean toilets. Had to change light bulbs like pastor had to clean change light bulbs. Had to use our own car when we didn't have a church van. You understand what I'm saying? Pastor was willing to do the little thing. He was faithful in the little. Why do you think he has this today? And the reality is so many of us want this. But we don't want Kareth Brook. And we need to understand that church. Because unless we're willing to go to Kareth Brook, God will never use us in Zarephath church. Listen, when we listen to him the first time, he increases the call the second time. The first time, he said, hey, leave here. But the second time, he added some urgency. He increased the call, church, in Elijah's life. And the reality is, listen, if you can't be faithful in the little tiny spiritual things when no one's looking, you think he's going to lead you to a Zarephath where everyone's looking? It's not going to happen. If we can't be faithful in the little call that he places in our life, he will never take us to Zarephath church. He will never increase the call in our life. You want to know why so many people don't have the increased call? Is they're grumbling over the little call. They're whining over the little call. Instead of magnifying God in the little call. Instead of being faithful in the little call. Instead of thanking God for the opportunity in the little call. Instead of worshiping God for the little call. You see, Elijah was faithful in the little and God made him ruler over a greater call. He gave him a greater ministry. And as I close, you're going to see how much he changed Elijah's life, church. If you can't be faithful to God concerning your own life, he'll never release you to minister to another life. He'll never anoint you. He'll never choose you. He'll never send you to do greater things in the lives of someone else if you never let him do the simple things in your own life. You see, please get this. In, in, in Kareth Brook, like I said, it was only about Elijah and God. It was only about Elijah and the brook. But Zarephath was about Elijah, a woman, her son, and a greater miracle that had to be accomplished that God wanted to accomplish in their life. And here's, here's the point that I'm trying to make. If Elijah would have never been faithful to the word of God just concerning him, he would have never taken him to Zarephath. Again, I'm not saying these things to condemn us, but so many of us want to do ministry in Zarephath. We want to, to be used by God in Zarephath, but we're not letting him do his work in us in Kareth Brook. 
We don't have it right in our own life. And we think He's going to use us to to make it right in somebody else's life. It's not how God works. You need to let God do His work in our life. Be faithful to what God asked you to do in your own life. And then He might use you to do something great in another person's life, church. What we have to do, God will never entrust another life to our care if He can't trust us with our own. Please listen. Be very careful who you allow to minister to you. Be very careful whose words you listen to. Be very careful who you allow to lay hands on you. Because unless that person has been to Kareth Brook, the anointing's not on them. Unless that person has found that place of obedience, unless that person has gone to their Kareth Brook, unless they've endured the, the trial and the test, unless they've come through the test and God has found their faith and faithfulness true, He won't anoint them. Be careful who you allow to minister to you. Because if they've not passed the test, the anointing's not on them. Something else might be. And I don't want it on me. And you don't want it on you, amen? So we have to be careful. I'm not saying that in a condemning way. I'm just saying unless they're being faithful in the little things, God hasn't released them for bigger things. And again, I hate to keep harping on it, but so often people just, I want to be used for the big thing, God. I want to be used for the big thing. The big thing. And man, there's so many little things that aren't being done in the kingdom of God. Too many little things. Too many phone calls, too many prayers, too many note cards, too many letters, too many words of encouragement, too many little things that aren't being done. Too many thank yous to the pastor, too many thank yous to the staff, too many opportunities to do the little thing in the house of God are not being done. And we wonder why the big things aren't coming our way. When's the last time you served in the nursery? When's the last time you changed the baby's diaper? When's the last time you drove a golf cart around the church? When's the last time you volunteered to come and help do something here at the, in the house of God? When's the last time you did a little thing for the kingdom of God? You think he's going to give you a big thing? He's not. And this is what God wants us to know. Understand, God needed to make sure Elijah was fit and ready for a good work in Zarephath, so he tried him in Kareth church. He needed to make sure that he was fit and ready for the good work that he wanted him to do in Zarephath, so he tried him in Kareth Brook. He, he, he needed to make sure that Joseph was fit and ready to do a great work in Potiphar's palace, so he tried him in a pit. He needed to make sure that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were fit and ready to do a great work in Babylon, so he made them fit and ready where? In the fiery furnace and the lion's den. You see, the reality is when we find ourselves in situations like that, we need to thank God because He's trying to make us fit and ready. We don't thank Him for the the heartache. We've heard it time and time again. We thank Him in the heartache. We thank Him in the fire. We thank Him in the flood. We thank Him in the lion's den. Because God, You're doing something in me. You're making me fit and ready for a higher call. You're ready to lead me to a higher place. There must be a great work that You have in store for me, church. So instead of grumbling and complaining about our Kareth brook drying up or, or our fiery furnace or our lion's den or our place of lack, church, we have to thank God that He has a higher call in store for us a greater gift that he wants to bestow upon our life church I'm running out of time 
God said, go at once. And he went to Zarephath. He obeyed the word of the Lord once again, church. And when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called and bring me please a piece of bread instead as well. But as surely as the Lord your God lives, notice that, your God, he wasn't her God yet. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son so that we might eat it and die. But how many of you know when you, when you mix a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil, and I'm going to say something different than you think I'm going to say, but when you mix a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil with a little bit of obedience... It turns into a constant supply. You see, most people think, I was going to say, when you mix a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil with a little bit of faith. But what I need you to understand in this is this woman at this point had no faith. This woman in this story had no faith for tomorrow. She had no faith in God because it wasn't her God. It was Elijah's God. She had no faith in her f- for a future. She had no faith. But she did have some obedience. And I don't care if it was an ounce of obedience. The Bible tells me in verse 15 that she did as the Lord commanded her to do. And we find out when she did exactly what the Lord commanded her to do, just like Elijah did exactly what God commanded him to do, guess what happened to her oil? And guess what happened to her flour? It became a multiplied meal. Day after day after day after day, she reached into that Happy Meal bag and out came a meal and out came a meal and out came a meal. Every day until it rained on the land, God provided supernaturally for her, not because she just had faith, because she had obedience, church. Because she obeyed the word of the Lord. Listen, there's sometimes you might not have faith as a grain of mustard seed. But if you have obedience in your heart, it releases God to do something great for you. I hope you wonder. I know some of you may think, well, that's not proper biblical teaching. But it is. Because it's there. If it's there, it's biblical teaching. The reality is it wasn't her God. Listen to me. You may be here tonight and you don't have faith that your marriage is going to work out. You might not have faith that your husband's going to come home. You might not have faith that your son or daughter's life is ever going to turn around. You might not have faith that, that, that the job's going to come or the interview's going to come. But as long as you do the will of the Father, as long as you respond to the word that He speaks into your life, that is faith in itself, church. And it opens up the windows of heaven to bring a supernatural blessing into your life. Have obedience, church. Obedience in this woman's story was the door to blessing. And it was the door to Elijah's blessing as well. Here's the other thing that I want you to realize. Elijah never asked that woman to do what he didn't do himself. Everything he asked her to do, he did himself. And again, I'll get back to this. Listen, don't be asking somebody to do something that you're not doing yourself. Don't ask your kids to do something you're not doing yourself. Don't ask your neighbor to do something you ain't doing yourself. 
Don't ask your spouse to do something you're not doing yourself. You understand what I'm saying? Elijah did not ask this woman to do anything that he had not done himself. He tested her the way God tested him. And they both received a blessing and a promise and a miracle in their life. Because of it, church, if you want miracle in your life, obey God. Do what he says. Listen, I'm going to close out with this. If we've got somebody that wants to come to the music, you can do that. But finally, I'm going to shift gears a little bit. If you look back at verse number 9. You see that God told Elijah to stay in Zarephath, just like he stayed in Kareth Brook. Told him to remain there. Remember what the Hebrew word meant when he said stay. It meant to remain there. It meant to make your abode there. It meant to make your dwelling place there. He wanted him to stay and make his abode in Zarephath just like he did in Kareth Brook. God understood that Elijah had already been there for several months and he stayed there, made his abode there, That was his dwelling place. That's where he lived and moved and breathed until God spoke again. So when God said to Elijah, stay in Zarephath, Elijah knew exactly what God meant. He meant, I need to stay here until he speaks to me again. Not until I'm fed. Please get that. He told him to go to Zarephath and a woman would feed you there. But after he said that, he said, stay there. So what that tells me is that God had a greater plan. God had a greater purpose, that God still had something to do. Elijah, please understand this. God didn't say to Elijah, eat and run. Didn't say go to Zarephath, find this woman, let her feed you and leave. He said, go to Zarephath, find this woman, eat and stay. Because God had a greater purpose for him. God had a greater call. God was about to do something incredible in his life. Listen, he told him to stay there. Because he wanted to do more than just feed him. In Kareth Brook, that's all he did. God fed him. He fed him, he fed him, he fed him. But when he went to Zarephath, he wanted to use him. And see, here's what I want you to understand. Please get this. I'm not shouting because I want you to get it. In Kareth Brook, he did nothing but eat. God didn't use him to do anything. And I mean, in Kareth Brook, God didn't use him to do anything. He just fed him. He fed him. He fed him. But the reality is there comes a point in time in every one of our lives where we got to get up from the table. Listen, the reality is every single one of us, you, me, everyone in this house, we've eaten enough. We've eaten enough. We have saturated our bellies We have saturated our souls. We come week after week and eat and eat and eat. But God wants to start using us. He's tired of the individual that just comes into the house of God and says, feed me, feed me, feed me. There's some individuals that won't serve in the house of God because they're busy eating in the house of God. There's individuals that are not serving in the nursery, driving around on golf carts, doing any sort of ministry and service to the house of God, body of God, and the kingdom of God because all they want to do is come into the house of God and eat and eat and eat and eat. We're full, church. We've had enough food. To last us a lifetime. It's time for us to get up out of the pew and work for the kingdom of God. To do something great for the kingdom of God. He wanted to do more than feed him. 
He wanted to use him, church. He wants to use you. Wants to use you. Wants to use you. Wants to use you to do great and mighty things. And it's exactly what he did. You know the story. He stayed. And then this woman who fed him, her son died. She goes to Elijah. Elijah prays, cries out to God, spreads himself three times. He does it, does it again later in his ministry. Spreads himself over the child and the child comes to life. Child recovers. And then his God becomes her God. But I'm not going to get into that part because the part that I want you to see is that this great work was done because he stayed and because he obeyed. God used him to raise a boy from the dead. And because of it, this is what I'm closing with right here. Because of it, because he was faithful. I'm going all the way back to verse one. Because he was faithful, because he took ownership of God, because he yoked himself to Jehovah, because he, he took ownership is the best way that I can say it. Because he was faithful, because he obeyed and went to Kareth Brook, because he stayed at Kareth Brook, because he then again went to Zarephath and obeyed and stayed again in Zarephath, Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in verse 1. In verse 1, this is how he's introduced. Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead. But by verse 24, he's referred to as Elijah the prophet and the holy man of God because he did all of these things. And the sad reality is there's a lot of individuals in the house of God that are nothing but the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead instead of the prophet and the holy man or the holy woman of God because we're not faithful, because we're not obedient, because we're not yielded, because we're not going, because we're not serving, because we're just eating. That's all we're doing. Listen, if you want to be a holy man, a woman of God, if you want to be more than the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead, and to do great things for God, we have to follow in the footsteps of Elijah. Amen? How many of you want to be a holy man or woman of God? And I want you to stand to your feet. Let's just applaud the Lord. We can do that.